Well, looks like you're back. Welcome back, stranger, to the Level Cap Podcast, where we'll be discussing a lot of things you varmints like, like games, news, video games, and of course, all things otherwise. Barbie, otherwise in them, their podcasts. Yar. Uh, wait, that's pirates. Um, yeah, that's this pirates, Marco. Oh no. Although um, I think it's probably more accurate to say there be games in them, their podcasts. Ah, uh, I like that. I like that because, of course, there's otherwise. Oh yeah, because you know it's it's in my heart. It's in all of our hearts. It's in our minds and our hearts and our friendships, Brad. More importantly, you already said all that. Yeah, I know, but. Friendship is so important, you have to say it twice, you know? Uh, I thought we were talking about games. Uh, yeah, and games too. Uh, games lead to friendship, or friendship right. leads to games. Yeah. It's circuitous, you know? The more you play with your so. friends, the more games, and then the more games, the more friends, right? Um, I'm glad to have you back, Brad. Uh, I missed you last week. Yeah, I missed you too, Marco. I'm sorry that we uh, we didn't get to podcast, but I was out in Georgia at a friend's wedding, and uh, and it was a great time. So uh, I don't regret it. Um, Did you we, play board uh, games? We actually we went hiking up to this inn in the mountain um, after the wedding was over. We went hiking. And at the end, they had a board game room on this mountaintop lodge. And so we sat on the mountaintop and played some board games. It was good fun. Oh, man. I was joking about the board games thing. But I'm uh, glad to hear that even until even during your breaks and even during your friend's wedding. Even in the, the wilderness, the far ends of the earth. It's board gaming. It's still board gaming, Brad. It's like, it's in your blood. It's in your veins. If I stabbed you right now, you would leak board games. I suppose. I suppose. They don't really flow through well to the veins, though. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not very viscous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Everybody, welcome to the Level Cap Podcast. We promise you that there are no cowboys or pirates on this episode. Um, or stabbing people to drink their board games. Drink, drink their board game blood. Uh, yes, indeed. None of that. Instead, we have a wonderful docket for all of you. Tonight, we will be talking about um, a game that Brad and I have both played very recently or, you know, semi-recently. We're going to be talking about some Level 99 Games news and answering some of your hard-pressed questions. So, really, uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about on this docket will be our Game Club game for this week. And our Game Club game for this week is, Brad, take it away is Reseteer. Have I have I said that correctly? Reseteer? Yeah, I think it's Reseteer. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about Reseteer, so, Brad? Reseteer, an item shop's tale. In this game, you play as a young girl, Reset, and her fairy friend, Tear, as they try to build an item shop so they can pay off Reset's massive debts. Um, this is... Gosh, this game is a lot like Moonlighter. Um, and that's... Obviously, this game came first because this is a PS1-era game. Uh, but Moonlighter is, uh, um, what's the word? So, yeah, you run an item shop, you go into the dungeon, you get items, you come back, you sell the items, you pay down your debt. It's all fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, a few things that, I guess it's just better to talk about this, like, what's different between this and Moonlighter, right? So I think um, some of the bigger things are the fact that uh, it's a much longer game, for one. Um, it's definitely a harder game, I think, because um, 
Yeah. It's not really about finishing the dungeons because the dungeons are there merely to stock up your shop because a lot of the uh, core progression comes in the form of, you know, getting enough money so that you don't <laughs> you don't uh, default on your debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I I um I said I said as a joke. I think you missed it. I said this, this is a PS One era game. And this actually came out in two thousand seven, so it's uh it's it's not quite, but it looks like it should have been in the same like in the same year as you know most of the the early PS One games. Oh yeah, no, sorry. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. It's like it's an old game, but it's not that old. You know what I it's, mean? Yeah, it's not that old, but it, it looks it looks really old. Um, yeah, I think it's just the style because um the company that made that also came out with another game and it looks like very PS one era y um but yeah it 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 has that feel wherein oh man like Chocobo Mystery Dungeon it's like they just took a bunch of sprites and then like kind of put it into a semi three D world uh and went like that's good graphics well, yes so what do you think about this game Brad what, like as a as an uh, item shop game uh, connoisseur yourself uh what do you think well, it's kind of strange because um, you came to Moonlighter from this game, and I came to this game from Moonlighter. So we're gonna have a very different perspective on this game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, because I, my feeling was that um, that the the game is cool, but I like what I like the way that Moonlighter handles the the genre better. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's uh, like Resetier does have a bit more going on. And I do like that you can play as a pure item shop and just buy from the buy from the guilds and sell to your shop. Um, the adventuring section I felt was was pretty lacking, um, and I think that's where Moonlighter does a much better job than this than, than this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the item shop simulation, um, obviously, this this one is doing a bit better than Moonlighter because they actually balanced the item shop uh, portion of the game. Yeah, and didn't just let all the money get crazy. <laughs> so. Um, the, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a neat concept. And if we take it as this is the one that came first, then it is, it is a really novel game and, uh, and a pretty cool game and buying and selling and determining your prices and, um, making requests to, to people, make sure you keep your inventory in order so that when people come up and ask for a certain thing, you can have it for them. It's all, um, it's all actually pretty interesting. And I, I would say that I did enjoy um, enjoyed those kind of things, um, but I couldn't get over the dungeon combat how uh, how lightweight it was. Yeah, so it was difficult for me to get into it too deeply. Yeah, so I think um, that's the perspective I'm coming in with here, right? Like we're comparing this to Moonlighter, and that's absolutely not um, a wrong thing to say because Moonlighter was indeed inspired by this game, right? Um, yeah, very clearly and heavily inspired by. Yeah, very, very clearly. Um, so the thing about Reseteer that differentiates it a bit from Moonlighter is that uh, Reseteer is like it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Like, like nearly seventy percent of the dialogue is just jokes, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, what that what makes me think about this uh, when we were talking about Moonlighter when I was playing it, I was thinking to myself that whenever I was in the dungeons, I was like, yeah, I wish I was playing Moonlighter. But at the same time, whenever I got back to the item shop, I was thinking to myself, I wish I was just playing Reseteer. So, like, I kind of just wish that I could chop up the games and, like, take Moonlighter's combat and then just take Reseteer's item shop and then, like, make that into, like, the best game ever. I kind of just wanted something like that because I felt like 
Resetir had a lot more going on in the item shop portion. Not only is it actually balanced, right? Like you could do haggling and that's a big deal, right? Like haggling's pretty cool. And I know Moonlighter had a small system where in certain kinds of customers would request for certain kinds of things, right? Like, you know, warriors would want weapons and like other merchants would want um, materials rather than weapons. Uh, yeah. But in Resetir, it's like way more in depth, right? Like you have little yeah. kids who have pocket money and can't buy anything bigger than 100 gold pieces. And then you have um, a high roller who comes in who will buy literally a piece of paper for a thousand gold pieces because they're so rich. And and things like that, like it um, it 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 makes the world and it makes the item shop portion feel more, uh, fleshed out. And I also like mm-hmm. the fact that you can haggle. Haggling is like my favorite mechanic in Resident Evil. Haggling is cool, but it wasn't interesting to like set your price every single time. That was one thing I liked about Moonlighter is that when you when you sold an item at a certain price, the item would stay at that price until you changed it. Like when I walk into a store and I sell my first statue for 4,000 gold and then another guy comes in and he's like, I want to buy a statue and it resets to like 1,200 and I have to move it back up to 4,000 again. Mm-hmm. That's kind of kind of a pain. Yeah, I, but, I understand. you know, different people can afford different amounts and so that's part of the game. I, get, I guess, I get it. Yeah. Um, I I feel like uh, the price tag was invented uh, to, for, for a reason. Was a, it was a good invention. <laughs> that we should preserve in this modern era. I see, I see. Uh, this modern era of 2007, you mean? Uh, yeah. Do you know who invented the price tag? Oh uh, no, I don't know who. It's actually J.C. Penny. J.C. Penny. Okay, can you? I'm yeah, not the man American. himself. I'm not American. I do not know this person. Oh, okay. Well, J.C. Penny's is a giant department store chain, or it was. It's gotten a lot smaller now since the internet era. I see. Like a lot of old stores, they didn't adapt very well. But anyway, um, he was a merchant in, I want to say, the late 1800s. And um, everybody haggled for everything. Um, and he said, I'm tired of that. And he made price tags. Nice. And put price tag. And so he's credited with the invention of the price tag. And um, yeah, and so everybody paid the same price at JCPenney's. And that was a, a big innovation back in the day. Wow, I, did, I didn't know. That's that's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. See, I, I feel like that should be like, um, like I feel like if there was ever going to be a game that tries to fill in the shoes of both Moonlighter and Reseteer, it should have some sort of like tagging system, I guess, wherein you can you have specific tags for specific kinds of people. Uh, though I guess we were reaching into like really gross, gross discriminatory like implications with that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you think about it this way, like all of these games are essentially about capitalism and um, one thing that I really find funny about Resetir is that it often jokes about how, like, you know, capitalism is just all about profit and all that stuff. But, like, it ends up saying some really, well, not really deep, but it ends, ends up saying some things that are a little bit too real for me sometimes. And uh, it's kind of weird. Like, I guess one of the most emergent stories I had was, like, as a merchant, I want to sell something for the most amount of profit. But because I know that um, some of my customers are people I'll end up hiring later, uh, like the mercenaries, like, you know, the the, the thief girl or mm-hmm. the soldier guy, right? Yeah, like, you want to sell your stuff cheaper to them so that they'll equip it. Yeah. And such. That's that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I like that emergent thing. Like, I'm not sure if it was intended. I'm pretty sure it was. But, like, like that's an emergent thing that the game doesn't force you to do. But, like, because of the game's mechanics and systems, you do it anyway. And that's a real-life thing that real-life people do. And I, I find that to be, like, super interesting. Oh. I think that's the best part of the game, honestly. Okay. I have to correct myself. It wasn't JCPenney. It was John Wanamaker. Okay, uh, who's that? Price tag in... Uh, yeah, um, just uh, another American capitalist, a precursor to uh, to that. But yeah, it was Wanamaker's department store. My I, fault. My fault. It's okay, state. Brad. I don't. I don't blame you. I just. I'm just not. Not even disappointed. I'm just interested in all of this American lore you have because it's like well, I know nothing. Now I, I feel always... bad because I because I was I was I misremembered a fact from my youth. And, oh uh, my gosh! And probably and then I reported it to you guys without checking my work first. Uh huh. Well, it's okay. I mean, I can edit it out if you want. Oh, here, you go. here I go again, editing out your bits, Brad. I will edit yeah. out your bits. Is it not okay? My, my bits. I, my my Twitch account is sad now. Oh no, your bits. All right. So, um, Brad, what would you say to people who want to play Reseteer? Should they get it? Should they not? What do you think about the game? Um, I would say that. In our fast-paced modern society, um, Moonlight will give you a very experience, very similar experience in ten hours. But um, it's not unworthy if you're interested in the concept. Um, I don't think I'm going to finish it myself. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm like three weeks in to the storyline. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go further though, because um, yeah, because I have Atlier Furious to play, and uh, I think that's a much better game. But, oh really? You know, people, a lot of people, a lot of people love this game. This game's rated ten on uh, on Steam, so I I imagine it's it's pretty good for most folks. So you know, make your own decision. Um, uh, but that's that's my feeling on it. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, um, get it if you have not played Moonlighter. But if you've already played Moonlighter, don't, because um, you'll just get frustrated. They're a little too similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they're a little too similar. I guess it's like, I guess it's what Brad said. It's like, you know, um, it's a very similar experience. And you don't want to, you don't want to, how I, how do you say this? Um, Like, if you've already played Moonlighter, playing Resetier will just make you frustrated, right? Uh, but if you haven't played Moonlighter, play Resetier, because I think, in my opinion, it's the quote-unquote better game but it, it requires more time investment so uh use that longer game you yeah. get more time for your money if yeah. that's the kind of uh, trade-off that appeals to you yeah most people like that thing like um the dollar per hour ratio is that a thing i i don't I mean that's that's a ratio that you can use to judge your entertainment but it you know that'll vary by the quality of the entertainment yeah for example like movie tickets ten dollars an hour right um, yeah effectively here in america so you know, but I'll pay ten dollars, or rather, so it's like, or ten dollars for a ticket, so that's about five dollars an hour. So I'll play about pay about five dollars an hour to go see a cool new movie. Um, but then a game like uh, you know Persona Five is a hundred hours or hundred hours, yeah, for like sixty dollars. So you're actually getting a much better economy, almost you know fifty, like forty to fifty cents an hour um, for that entertainment. So you know which one is is the higher entertainment which one is the lower entertainment you can't judge everything by that yeah indeed. i would definitely like not go see a movie if if i had to choose between playing persona 5 and seeing say like ant-man and the wasp uh which i'm going to see today uh, i would definitely take persona 5 
even though it's a cheaper, technically cheaper form of entertainment. Um, that said, I can do both of these things, so it's not it's not a pure, you know, a pure comparison. Oh, I see. Are you going to be playing Persona Five while watching Ant Man and the Wasp? No, no. I'm just saying, like in my life, I can have both of these experiences, and I think they're both worthy, even though they're valued. One is valued ten times higher than the other. I would still choose the the, the other over the one. I see. I see. That yeah. makes sense. I understand now. I understand now. Yeah. Um. But that's a thing. Like people tend to hate it if their games don't translate in that way. Um. I'm not really a personal believer of that. Like, you know, give me a good experience. That's all I care about, really. Yeah. Yeah. And the experience is the important thing. And and I think it's a little, you know, people value it differently based on on how much disposable income for entertainment they have. Oh yeah, that's true. Right. Like not so, everybody has money to throw away at hobbies. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people will, you know, want to, uh, you know, need need to entertain themselves at, at a lower price. Some people want, will are willing to spend, you know, like five hundred bucks for the fancy small world edition um, that they're only going to play once or twice, and at that point, you're spending like fifty dollars an hour or uh, or or a hundred dollars an hour even. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Uh, you know the the what do you call that? The the shelf of shame uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my shelf of shame is definitely shameful, and like it's a it's more like a Steam library of shame. Oh no, Brad! You have you ever tried using that tool that checks how much money or how much uh, U.S. dollars your <laughs> Steam account? No, is worth? what is this? What is this? This tool? I need to look this up. Oh my gosh, I, I I'll, I'll link it to you at some point. I forgot the name, but like it's a it's a built-in tool to Steam, so it's not like a third-party thing or whatever. But no, Steam calculator. Yeah, Steam calculator. Oh my gosh, it's like I looked at mine and I'm thinking to myself, that's not a healthy amount. Um, oh my gosh, did you look at yours? Um, not yet. I mean, it's a third-party service I have to log into with Steam, so I'm not sure that I was gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. actually do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy, but, like, at the end of the day, your entertainment is your choice, and I think that's very important to realize is that just because, like, Brad and I, like, recommend it or something doesn't mean you should get it, even if we do say you should get it. Um... Yeah, I recommend Reseteer, but you know, if you don't have the time, the money, or have played Moonlighter already, I, I just just don't. Uh, otherwise, get it. It's a great game. Uh, it is overwhelmingly positive on Steam for a reason. Yeah, it's a cool game, and it uh, in, you know, in its in its day, it was really novel. So I would say um, say check it out. Um, but if you want to play a really good game, check out Atlayer Fierce, which we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> which we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to spend some more time playing it. Uh, I, I actually played a bit of like Atelier. I don't know how to pronounce the first word. Atelier. Atelier. Atelier Rorona. Which I, Rorona. Okay. Which I so, think is very different from the other games from what I've read. Well, so the way it works is they're in arcs. Like every three games, they change the system pretty radically. The basic concept of Rorona is going to be the same. Um, but the execution is going to be a lot different. Rona is actually one of the ones I haven't played yet. I so, um, but it's pretty I... similar to Ayesha, I think. And I, I have see. played that one. Okay. Um, from what I know, it's like, like at least from what I saw, the, the item crafting system wasn't like this block puzzle thing that you were talking about. It was a bit different. Yeah, that's new to that's new to uh, the like uh, Sophie Furious Lydian Swell arc. The um, the 
what's it? I think it's the Arland arc. Yeah. So I think the main mechanic in Rorona yeah. was like, uh, you know what? Let's talk about this next week. Yeah. Let's move on to yeah, the yeah. next Yeah, yeah. We'll talk segment. about it next week. Um, Let's we, move- you get a different idea. But um, you should at least Google the gameplay for the item crafting gameplay for Ferris. So you know what I'm talking about when it comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's to the listeners, not to not to Marco, because Marco's going to play Ferris. Okay. All okay, right. Cool. All right. Okay. So let's move on to the next segment, also known as the pipeline or character of the week, depending on Brad's mood, taste, and aspirations. Brad, uh, I'd like to ask you on your segment, you're in charge. So what do you want to do? Um. Well, I think that um, today we probably, I don't know, we've talked a lot about, um, about upcoming projects, but um, I think I probably just want to I just want to chat about you know what I've been working on lately because it's been uh, been working a lot on different things. So mm-hmm. um, I've been been doing more on uh, more stuff on Seventh Cross and testing that and everything. But Not my heart. Um, I was getting a little bit uh, a little bit uh, tired of it, so I decided to make some other things. You know, just to to, to take a break. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. made a game yesterday called <laughs> Free Companies of Indians. Which free, I've, I've pitched a couple times before. Free companies of Indians. Free companies of Indians. This is a game where you run, uh, you operate a mercenary company. Oh, in the, okay. Like like Gerard's Blackspire Company or Rookie X Champions of Indians. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you go around the world and you fight for the different countries in the world, or you uh, do uh, you fight for the different countries in the world, or you acquire different uh you buy mercenaries you sell them to the different armies you can go hunt monsters you can go on quests it's an so it's an open world sandbox game where your goal is just to make a certain amount of money and whoever can make that much money first wins that's pretty cool is it um competitive yeah it's competitive so each player runs their own company oh and, and up to these three companies are yeah, and these companies are competing. So, like, for example, if I go over to Relicor and I get involved with them by like like outfitting their army with mercenaries, they give me a bunch of of commissions, and then I can take my commissions. I can go off to the battlefield. I can fight, and I can claim this land for Relicor, and they'll pay me even more money to fight their battles for them. And then when somebody else comes up with a different commission from a different country and they want to claim the land, they have to. Um, they have to fight the Relican army, which I outfitted previously oh. with my mercenaries. Uh, you can also, like, I said, go off to the wilderness and you can fight against monsters in the uh, in the far reaches of the world. And when you kill monsters, you get special treasures. Uh, you get all kinds of glory for that. You can upgrade your company with different specialists, and these guys give you, you know, new abilities like the ability to move faster around the world or to have better equipment and gear for your guys. How about like to, better uh, commissions? Yeah, you can actually buy buy guys that will increase the rate of your the rate of, the amount of money you make on different services that your company provides. Oh wow! So, I was kidding. All those kind of things. Oh yeah, no, it's it's all real. Oh man, that's pretty cool. I like that. It's a it's a it's it went over really well. Everyone enjoyed the game yesterday when we played. Um, the battle system still needs a bit of work. It was kind of a Millennium Blades type battle system. Um, so I'm going to pull that back and I'm going to probably redo the battle system today before I go to the movies. Um, but it's been it's been a fun thing to, you know, to just work on, um, have a good time with. Oh, man. Yeah. What what kind of strange life must it be 
to like go like, huh, let me just finish designing a really cool board game before I go watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, that's such a surreal thing to it's, me. It's something you don't think about often, but like sometimes you're like, oh, I wish there was a game that was like this. And then you think to yourself, oh, wait, I could just do that. And you do. And then, um, yeah, and that's your day. But it's, Brad, it's, it's, we're it's not neat. all award-winning game designers now, are we? I don't know if I'm actually won any awards. I guess I won an award for Millennium Blades. From you won somebody somewhere. You won an award in my heart, and that's the only one that matters. Oh, the Marco heart. The Marco I'll, heart. I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep that pinned to my pinned to my suit. Yeah, the Marco the Marcocoro. It's like it's like the purple heart, but it's the Marco heart. Oh no, I that's like a military honor, right? I'm not sure if my yeah my thing yeah is that it's a military good. honor for being wounded in battle. Oh man, I I oh Brad, how dare you imply that my compliments wound you? Oh, they cut to my heart, Marco. Oh no, it's too real, too real. All right, so um, I'm really interested in this game mostly because when you said it, I was like, is this Romance of the Three Indians? Um, a little bit, maybe. Oh no, uh, but wait, there. You said three. Which? What's the third one? Because there's Gerards, and then there's oh, Rookies. there's like there's like uh, six different companies. They've been a couple have been created for this game, or like were just mentioned in lore, but are now fully fleshed out. Ooh. Um, like for example, um, you can get uh, what's it, the um, Kerrigan Transcontinental Company and Imperial. Um, in this game, you can play as Kerrigan Securities, and you can play as the leader of the train company's older brother, who runs a mercenary company. Uh, that kind of thing. So, is like, he a specialist? The world is just fleshed out. Yeah, Lyle is also a specialist in uh, in Imperial. Oh man, that's pretty cool. Wait a minute, Brad. Okay, yeah. so obviously variable character powers, because that's your that's your bread and butter, right? Um, can you give us a small preview of what the variable character powers are and how they affect your gameplay? Uh, it's a little too early for that. I can't. Uh, I can't say like exactly all the things that are happening because I'm still working out, you know, combat system and such. Um, but in general, your characters will want you to hire different kinds of mercenaries. I think, at least in the current version, like this guy will fight better alongside more melee heroes. This guy will fight better alongside more mages. This guy does better when you're on monster hunts. That kind of thing. I see. Uh, okay. Like any good sandbox game, I kind of want the players to be able to specialize once they get out of the gate. So your starting disposition doesn't really tell you too much about your whole game plan. It's It just gives you this one edge that you can choose to build on or to round out or to ignore completely. And that's fine because you, you choose your own path in these games. Oh, okay. I, that's, that's, that's not bad. I like that. Um, I, man, now I'm thinking, like, are there multiple unit types? How's the combat? Is it going to be like... Uh, you said it was like Millennium Blade, so I assume it was like some sort well, of like it, it attack was, but point system. We didn't system. like the Millennium Blades combat that much, so we, we're going to change it. Um, yeah. I'm still working out on what it's exactly going to be. But I'll tell you more about it as it develops. Make it like Warhammer, so I have to roll like 600 D6s. Yeah, that's not great. Um, <laughs> Why not? Why not, Brad? Because... Because, well, first off, you can have a fight with another player, and the other three players at the table will just be like, oh, okay, come on. You know, like, you have to you have to make the combat quick enough that it doesn't uh, ruin the gameplay for the rest of the players who aren't te- technically involved. See, and this is why you're the game designer, and I'm not. 
and I'm just <laughs> sitting here thinking about making a board game platform fighter rather than actually making it. You know, there's a big well, difference between that. You you got to get on that, Marco. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's true. You know, um, maybe maybe one of these days I talk more about like Marco's evolution from MOBA to arcade to platform fighter. Anyway, um, that pretty much does it for your segment. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to share? No, not too much. Just uh, you know, still working on games. Uh, still working on stuff, and hopefully, I have some TTS modules for a couple of these games soon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, do I hear TTS module for Seventh Cross, baby? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working oh on my it. Gosh. Yeah. You know, I was on podcast with Laura last week. Um, yeah. And we just talked about like how cool all of these emblems are, how all of this art is. In fact, sitting next to me is my copy of the collector's edition for Exceed. Uh, it finally came in the mail. Thank goodness, Philippine Ooh, great. shipping. Great. Is absolutely horrible. I have not opened the box yet because I want to open it and have the sleeves so that, you know, when my babies come out, I can sleeve them immediately. Um, yeah, like, and, like any like any father would want to. Yeah, of course. <gasps> that should be a product. That should be a product. Like they should sell like baby towels that look like card sleeves so you can sleeve your babies. Yeah, this, this uh, got too weird, Marco. Oh, okay, fine. Take it back to center. Take it back to center. All right, all right, all right. Back to the drawing board. Marco now moves on from Brad's segment to Marco's segment, also known as 99 Questions, where Marco takes you on a mystical journey from your innocence in youth to getting sleeved and being an adult, where you ask hard-pressed questions and Marco and Brad give you soft, wrinkled answers. Get it? Because hard, hard breast and then soft, soft wrinkled. Yeah, I get it. I just don't quite understand. The, well, if you got it, that's okay. That's normal. I feel, I feel very comfortable with my not understanding. Oh my gosh! Feels All right. like I'm home again. Ignorance is a bliss, you know. Ignorance is a bliss. Okay, Brad. First question: Do dryads in Indians share a common theme of interacting with discards? Both Lixis and Kajia have discard interacting effects, as does Exafern and Pixel Tactics, though admittedly it's not universal. Aberine has a different set of mechanics, after all. So in, in Battlecon, we do try to uniform, unify the kind of racial mechanics for characters. So yeah, like both the Dryads have discard interacting things, and there's a new dryad in Wanderers that will also have a sort of uh, discard interacting. Is she the type brawler one? She's the punchy one, right? She looks she's like a martial the... artist. No, she's the cactus dryad. Oh, oh, that one. All right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they'll they'll have a similar effect. Um, we also for another example, um, you have like the dragon characters. You have uh, Berman and Agena and Marmalee. They all um, build up counters in one way or another. Mm. So they, um, they're all like slow build-up type characters. And uh, once they do their build-up, then they can execute things in a completely safe sort of way. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting archetype of character. And the, that, uh, you know, like the characters of that race have, have a similar build in that sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, but that's, there, you know. Is there other like uh, racial traits? Mm. Um, I believe that... Uh, like all of the Kaon characters have um, a like opponent disc- chooses and discards a card type mechanics. Oh, okay, um, is is just a little thing, and um, you know um, the 
Let's see. I don't. I, th I think for a lot of the other characters, um, the races no. are diverse enough. There's no elves. There's only there's only like like one elven character in in the whole um, in in Indian or in the in the Battlecon series. I think. I'm sure there's two. Well, there's two. There's Clinhide. Um, there's Kadath. Wait, Kadath's uh, an elf. Yeah, Seraphina is. Rook. Um, yeah, Rook is. So I don't know that they have any particular unifying mechanic. I see. So the only other unifying mechanic is show tokens, I guess. Yeah, yeah, show tokens. Oh my god. Karu, Eric, Pendros, um, Jasper, yeah, if he ever came out. Yeah, if Jasper comes out, uh, oh. Jager is kind of a shuriken. Oh, I guess. I guess. Oh my gosh. You know, okay, Brad, I'm not going to let it slip by this time. Um, the last time we mentioned Jaeger and you pronounce it as Jaeger, uh, everybody lost their minds because yeah. that's not how you pronounce that. So are you saying that it is indeed Jaeger and not Jaeger? I, I pronounce it Jaeger. Okay, guys, it's canon now. Um, we've been pronouncing that character's name wrong. It's Karen and Jaeger. Um, there you go. And... Tell us in the comment section below whether or not you're I okay mean, with that. It's not that important. I just say that because every time I, I say Jaeger, I think of, of the beer. So, like Jaeger uh, Jaeger bombs? Or not Jaeger? No, sorry, not not the beer, the the, the liqueur. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Jaeger bombs. So, which is which is spelled differently, right? So it makes sense that it would not be pronounced the same way. I see. okay, okay, okay. You know what? Hands up in the air. You are the creator, god of this universe. Uh, not uh, not this universe, but you know the, what, like whatever whatever you want to say, as long as we understand who you're talking about. I what I won't do is I definitely will not create a character that is actually named Jaeger to confuse you. There will uh, not be like like Y A Y, you know, uh, <laughs> G I R. Yes, and um and and that guy is totally different than than Jaeger and. He exists just to confuse you on name pronunciation. That's not going to happen in Indians. Have no fear. You know, it's going to be even Everyone's worse. Everyone's going to know who you're talking about. It's going to be even worse. What if this character's name is literally spelled the same way, right? And when you play Karen and Jaeger against him, you can move him because he's Jaeger. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's the worst. <laughs> Templating. That can't be. That can't ever be allowed. Templating. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I understand. Okay, Brad, next question. This is actually a special question just for you because it expressly says for Brad. So I guess this person doesn't want my opinion. Um, yep, no talking, Marco. Okay, I, after this question, I will not talk until we ask the next one. When you play test your dueling games, how do you balance for variable skill? Especially if one playtester starts getting the hang of the game, do you not let that player playtest any more except against yourself or other more experienced players? Question mark. Well, this happens a lot because we have some playtesters that are just bad, like Marco, and some playtesters that are really great, like me. And so when I play against Marco, I always win because Marco is bad. And um, no, <laughs> sorry, I'm abusing my, I'm abusing my, uh, my thing. No. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> yes yes this is this is this is perfect um no when uh we, so i'm actually not in charge of the balance play testing uh Andrew handles that stuff and he he has his own way of, of dealing with that um in general i believe that uh you just kind of have to understand the strength of the players 
And when all the players play against each other pretty regularly, you do kind of equalize in your skill level. There are a couple people in our in our circle that are stronger or weaker, but um, if we suspect that it was just stronger play that led to a victory, then we just swap characters and we replay the match in that mm. same way. And that way, you get an equal balance of uh, you know of, um, of 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 skill on both sides. You can say whether it's the matchup or whether it's the players. Uh -huh. um, but yeah. Well, welcome back, Marco. Oh, man. Uh, I, I wanted to give some opinions, but this person didn't want mine. Um, <laughs> to everybody but this person. Uh, it's very important that you also understand that like, when you do playtesting that... Uh, how, do I, how do I put this? Like, your meta matters a lot. Um, because even if it's just a dueling game, the kinds of characters you guys end up using to balance the other characters and the, the types of playstyles you and your friends have heavily affect the way things end up getting balanced <clears throat> eric um yeah eric um yeah i mean like you know even though we play tested eric the same way we play tested rex and the same way we play tested joel who both ended up being perfectly okay well not perfectly but they ended up being like generally well liked and well balanced yeah. characters yeah they were in yeah, the middle of the pack yeah i mean yeah middle of the pack right so, like, even if we play tested them in the same way, uh, the biases in my playgroup actually ended up making it so that it worked for some characters, but didn't work for others. And uh, that's a very dangerous thing, and I think it's also something you have to consider when uh, dealing with variable player skill. Um, because at some point, like, we just reached the point where every single person in the group reached a player skill cap of, like, oh, so this is just how you beat Eric. And because everybody, like, understood that a lot of problematic things about Eric weren't popping up that ended up popping up for a lot of people who ended up playing against him. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes, I guess. All right, Brad, next question. I think this is a very <laughs> interesting one because I, I don't know the answer to this one. And I'm really interested because I, I actually don't know. Mm. Um, where did the name Devris come from the Mage Wars promo character in Exceed? Apparently, he's just called a Warlock from his Mage Wars game. So I think this is a common theme for all of your Mage Wars promo characters. They're actually all named versions of the mages that appear in the Source game. So uh, how'd you ever get names for them? And why did you get names for them? So in the... Um, in the... Uh... When we first did our Mage Wars crossover for um, BattleCon, we had mm -hmm. uh, the um, gosh, I can't remember what the dwarf is called in in uh, in his source material, but the the um, you know the the forge the forge master I think was what was what he is, um, and then yeah. we also had the um, the warlock the, the warlock yeah Pyromancer. The, the female warlock. And um, those characters didn't come with names. And when I first contacted Brian Pope and I was like, hey, can we do Mage Warriors characters in BattleCon? And he's like, yeah, sure. We, um, we offered those two characters. We, we, we were offered those two characters. And I said, what are their names? And he's like, oh, it's like you know, Forge Master and, uh, and Warlock. Um, you can do female warlock if you want, and I was like, no, 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 that's not going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, we need to uh, we need to come up with names, and he's like, okay, well, just name them any anything you want. And so I came up with the original names, which were uh, Raiderick uh, Blackforge for the uh, for the, the Forge dwarf. Master, yeah, and then um, Iskra Brim uh, yeah Iskra Brimstone, I think was the uh, the warlock. So pretty simple simple fantasy type names. Um, we came with those. That was that was cool, 
And then um, later on, we decided we wanted to do the warlock, the apprentice warlock from uh, from Mage Wars. And at that point, um, I guess different people had taken charge of the lore because they came to me and they were like, or I came to them and I'm like, can we do this character? And they're like, yeah. And, then, and they're like, what's his name? And he's like, and, and he said, oh, it's Devris. So they knew at that point what the character's name was right off the, like before anything else. Ah. So, so things, something changed internally in the Mage Wars team because, uh, because they had that information on hand when the time came. Maybe you forced that change, right? Maybe, maybe. I, I imagine it's just, you know, different points in the, the life cycle of it. Somebody probably just took over the lore and started doing writing for it. I see. Um, because I think Mage Wars Academy was probably developed by different, like, uh, wasn't directly developed by the same team. Hmm. It was like a new team within uh, within Arcane Wonders. Okay. Uh, I think so they, they might have planned that stuff differently. Huh. Okay. Wait, does this mean now that if there's ever any Mage Wars lore... Are your names canon? I think that the characters that, that I named are are one warlock and one forge master in the world of Mage Wars. They're not the Ma- forge master and uh, and warlock that show up in the game necessarily. Mm, okay, but that means you have canonically you have OCs in the Mage Wars canon then. Sure. I guess that's I guess that's fair. That's probably probably true. Yeah. Oh man, that's pretty cool. I never knew. Um, I actually really like Raedric a lot. Uh, you know why. Everybody yep. knows why. Everybody who listens to this podcast should know why. If you don't know why, it's because Raedric is Robert. And I don't care what you guys say, he is Robert. He is He is Robert. He's an updated He's an updated Robert, uh, the saint, who was one of the very first Battlecon promos. Oh, my favorite. Which was Marco's man. favorite character. Yes, because I have over like, what, 200 games on that guy? Ah, oh, favorite yeah. character. So we are actually bringing some some uh, guys back uh, in Battlecon Unleashed. One of the promos that you'll be able to get is an updated Klaus and Windle. Ooh, man, Klaus and Windle is going to be so fun. Um, that's that's so that's that's going to be in, in Unleashed. Yeah, this this is a um, Wind Spirit and a Kid Knight, and they basically um, she throws the kid at other players to knock them around like a pinball. Yeah, um, which is. This is pretty cool, like, on two levels for me. Because Claus and Windle are a tag team fighter. They're essentially a tag team fighter, but they don't use a marker, right? So that's one interesting thing. So there's only actually one stand-up, despite them being two characters, which many people might not understand, but it's a pretty cool concept anyway. Um, Mechanically speaking, though, I really love their unique ability, which basically lets them, um, like, you battering ram people with with Claus. Uh, Claus is the knight, right? Yeah, Klaus yeah. is the kid of the night, and uh, and yeah, you just you just slam into people and knock them back instead of when you would move over them, you slam into them instead and do damage and push them back. So so good. I mean, like, like basically, we were like, how does Klaus and Windle work? Oh, we don't know. And then we realized, oh, I get it now. You dodge for three free damage every time. Yeah, yeah, you can you can push your opponent instead of doing the dodge. Uh, so you can offensive dodge, which is a pretty big innovation. Oh my gosh, he he was the first offensive dodge we had in the game. Um, outside of Cherry, Joel, and Gerard, as far as I know. Um, uh, sorry, well, um, sorry. I just I just have some sort of encyclopedic knowledge of battle. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty impressive that you knew all those characters that can do that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like as if I had looked at all of their cards and screwed created them. guides. Yeah, like, huh? Maybe I'm I'm very uh, flabbergasted by this. Anyway, that pretty much does it for our 99 questions segment. We hope we answered your questions adequately, and we hope that you are excited. If you have any more questions for us, please put it in the comment section down below, or put it in the um, Google form submission link found in the description box down below. Uh, and finally, Brad, we're not going to end this podcast because we still have to do our favorite segment, or rather, my favorite segment. Otherwise, also known as the reason why I say otherwise at the start of every episode. But I guess you, know, you said otherwise this time. So thanks, Brad. Yeah, well, um, so let's talk about uh, our our pitch this week. All right. So um, this welcome to our um, otherwise segment. Uh, this segment is called The Pitch, where Brad and I are asked to pitch a TV series. Uh, I think it's called Serialize It or Serial It. I, I don't know whatever name we came up with it before. Uh, but really, this game is just all about Brad and I uh, pitching the first episode of a series based on a concept. Um, usually what we do is we try to both pitch different ideas, right? Like, you know, I give Brad a topic, Brad gives me a topic, and we both pitch. However, a fan has submitted uh, a specific question. I believe it was Luna who said... Uh, pitches the first episode of the Millennium Blades anime. And uh, I think, Brad, we should co-op on this one because uh, I think it would be a much better TV series if you and I worked together. Because with your um, actual writing skills and my memes, we can make the ultimate anime. I knew something was missing from the ultimate anime. And now that you've said it, I know it's Marco's memes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Do you see all the memes I post on the Facebook groups? It's... Absolutely crazy. All right, Brad. Here's here's my jumping off point, right? It would be really, really easy to make a Millennium Blades anime that's basically just Yu-Gi-Oh, but like over the top, right? Like even more over the top than Yu-Gi-Oh already is. But I feel uh, like that's a that's the coward's way, you know? Okay. So what's what's your what's your idea? So here here's my pitch, right? What if this was a little bit like um you know that old Dungeons and Dragons TV show wherein they like entered the world of Dungeons and Dragons? Right? Oh no. <laughs> so this is a um what's the name of that? Isekai kind of anime wherein a regular person gets sent to the world of Millennium Blades, right? So uh-huh. so now it can be like this over the top anime, but you have a regular person who tries to view everything through the lens of like oh yeah this is like a card battle anime world i get it but then it just doesn't make sense because everybody's like trying to solve their problems by um you know fighting each other at card games and like the the president of the united states solves a nuclear war using card games and stuff like that and i I, the pitch is that every single episode is played through the eyes of this guy who's just a regular dude who essentially acts like the joey in the anime but instead of everything centering around the cool main character it's this guy going like really that's how you guys are learning about the world i I like it i like it yeah so so what's your so so expand expand. right so so in the first episode um you know they're playing they're playing so the, the guy in the real world he wins the what's the his name what's blades. his name brad what's his name what's his name um oh gosh let's see millennium blades names are hard to hard to come up with yeah but uh, he, he's not from millennium blades so his name is like 
Kotaro Shoto, right? And then he gets like sent into the Isekai world. Okay, of, okay. Uh, no, it's, it's gotta be it's gotta be at least a name that like sounds like it could be a Millennium Blades name. I see. I like, see. Um, like, oh gosh, it's on like tip of my tongue. Let's see. How about um, uh, so? Uh, how, how about how, how about how about um, uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah, well, so Miles Cardigan. There you go, Miles Cardigan. <laughs> Miles Cardigan. All right, let's go. All right. Okay. Wait. And he design feature. He, he always wears a cardigan. Keep, keep going. Sure. Yeah, that's how I got the name. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like a family thing or anything. Yeah, um, yeah. of course. So anyway, so he wins the Millennium Blades World Tournament. At that moment, um, the time like or the dimensional portal opens, and um, you know, and Cardinal Vance pops out, and he's like, "I need your help to, to you know to stop the evil and consuming our world." You are the and chosen he yanks one. Him back through, yeah, yanks him back through the dimensional portal, and turns out the millennium blades in our world was just a, a ruse in order to train the next series of champions for the real millennium blades world so they could uh, resolve the uh, the catacly- the coming cataclysm ah i see um, okay this so is this... also the plot to last starfighter um, copyright <laughs> all right so so he gets sent okay. into the real world with cardinal bands right and he's trying to figure out the entire world uh, and then he realizes that playing these card games ends up, like, killing you if you lose or something. Um, and he tries to be the best, right? But here's the twist, right? Uh, Cardinal Bands goes like, oh, yeah, I need you, blah, blah, blah. So he thinks he's the chosen one. And, like, in these other world anime, usually these characters end up being, like, super OP and having, like, some sort of power that makes them OP, right? Um, mm-hmm. Here's my twist. So he gets sent into the Millennium Blades world, right? And all the all the all your favorite characters are there. There's Dex, there's Moray, there's Shore, right? And they're all trying to play Millennium Blades in their way. Um, but then the main character's superpower is the fact that he tries to solve things in ways that aren't children's card games, right? So uh, it ends up making the entire journey easier because it's like you know you must. I never thought t- we could just talk about our problems. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, man, this guy's blocking our path. I guess we have to fight them in a duel. And it's like, guys, no, really, he just, hey, um, sir, can you, um, hi, yeah, uh, my name is Miles, yeah, um, can you let us through? Uh, you must first challenge me to a children's card game. Um, no, really, I just, I just really need to use the bathroom. Um, how about I fight you guys after I use it? All right. All right, then. Just make sure you come back to play this children's card game. Uh, no problem, man. No problem. And then they, they go by and never come back. End of episode one. Right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's terrible. <laughs> that's his ultimate power, is that he knows that there is other ways to resolve conflicts than just by playing stupid children's card games. Oh, uh, yeah. This, this, is, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Um, right? I right? like it. I like it. I like it. So, do the fans like it, Brad? Do you think the fans will like it? Um, probably not. Uh, it sounds kind of. It sounds like the gag would only work about two or three times. I mean, who's saying that we're gonna get more than one episode of this thing? I'm pretty sure we get canceled <laughs> after episode one. What? Oh, come on, Marco. I'll have Give more faith. A little more credit. Have more faith. Have more faith. All right, I'll have more faith. 
listeners, it is in your hands right now. You decide the fate of Millennium Blades Pilot Episode 1. Uh, did Brad and I come up with a good idea? Would you want to watch this anime or read this manga? Uh, please tell us in the comment section down below. And if you have your own Millennium Blades pitch ideas or your own ideas for episodes, please tell us. We'd be happy to hear you out. So, Brad, as much as I love shooting the bird, shooting the breeze, every time, yeah, yeah. every Shoot. time. I like. I'm, I have nothing against birds, okay? It's just like, I, I just... Okay, as much as I love shooting the breeze with you, um, we might have to end this podcast because well, we you both got have... against breezes then? Oh, no. You know, I happen to know somebody named Breeze, and it's a nice person. Oh, really? Okay, is that a joke, or do you actually know someone named Breeze? Because that would be pretty cool. I actually cool. do know someone named Breeze. That is so cool. Um, what's the? Okay, wait, before we end, who has the coolest name that you know? Like, which person you know has the coolest name? Yeah, yeah, probably probably Breeze Grigus is the coolest the coolest name. He sounds like a like a video game boss, right? Yeah, it sounds he sounds like a mid boss, like the character <laughs> you would fight before the final boss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Breeze Grigus challenges you. Yeah, I get that. Um I think the person with the coolest name that I know is a uh, batchmate of mine from college or high school. Uh his name is Wolfgang Dragonheart. Um, Wait, that's that's a real name. That's his. Uh, well, that's his first and second name. Uh, his last name wow, is something like Dragonheart. Cruz. That's good. I I did know somebody once named uh, Raphael Stonecipher. What? The, that what? was a pretty cool name. That is a pretty cool name. <laughs> that is indeed a pretty cool name. But yeah, uh, I think that's the coolest name I know. Wolfgang Dragonheart. Um, because his parents <laughs> it's are a little too high fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's. It's such a good name, okay? Like, like he was born during a screening of Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> His parents are ultra ultra nerds, and they were like, "Oh man, how are we gonna both talk about our love for high fantasy and our love for classical music?" I know. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, so okay. That pretty much ends it for this episode of the Level Cap Podcast. I'm so happy that you were all here, and I hope you guys liked it. If you liked it, please give us a comment. Uh, it means so much to both Brad and me. Uh, and if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you hated it, share it with an enemy. As usual, it has been me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanic Critic, also known as Random Asian Guy, also known as not Wolfgang Dragonheart. And with me has been my wonderful co-host, Brad Talton. Uh, and it's been great to be with you guys and uh, chat with you for a bit. I hope you have a great, uh, great week, and we'll see you next time on the Level Cap Podcast. All right. Bye bye. Happy gaming. Bye bye. <laughs>